0: Section eight. This and that and the other. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This and that and the other by Hilaire Belloc. Section eight. Chapter eight. On Rouse. The Honourable Member. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, is the Honourable Member in order, calling me an insolent swine? C. Hensard Passim A distinguished literary man has composed, and perhaps will shortly publish, a valuable poem, the refrain of which is, I like the sound of broken glass. This concrete instance admirably illustrates one of the most profound of human appetites, indeed an appetite which to the male half of humanity is more than an appetite and is rather a necessity the appetite for rows. it has been remarked by authorities so distant and distinct yet each so commanding as aristotle and confucius that words lose their meanings in the decline of a state absolutely purposeless phrases go the rounds are mechanically repeated Sometimes there is an attempt by the less lively citizen to act upon such phrases when society is diseased. And so today you have the suburban fool who denounces the row. Sometimes he calls it ungentlemanly, that is, unsuitable to the wealthy male. If he says that, he simply cannot know what he is talking about if there is one class in the community which has made more rows than any other it is the young male of the wealthier classes from alcibiades to my lord titup when men are well fed good-natured fairly innocent as are our youth then rows are their meat and drink nay the younger males of the gentry have such a craving and necessity for a row that they may be observed at the universities of this country making rows continually without any sort of object or goal attached to such rows. Sometimes he does not call it ungentlemanly, but points out that a row is of no effect, by which he means that there is no money in it. That is true. Neither is there money in drinking or breathing or sleeping, but they are all very necessary things. Sometimes the row is denounced by the suburban gentleman as unchristian, but that is because he knows nothing about human history or the faith, and plasters the phrase down as a label without consideration. The whole history of Christendom is one great row. From time to time the Christians would leap up and swarm like bees, making the most hideous noise and pouring out by millions to wang in their Christianity for as long as it could be borne upon the vile persons of the infidel. More commonly the Christians would vent their happy rage one against the other. The row is better fun when it is played according to rule. It sounds paradoxical, and a superficial man might conceive that the essence of a row was anarchy. If he did, he would be quite wrong. A row, being a male thing, at once demands all sorts of rules and complications. Otherwise it would be no fun. Take, for instance, the oldest and most solid of our national rows, the House of Commons row. Everybody knows how it is done, and everybody surely knows that very special rules are observed. For instance, there is the word traitor. That is in order. It was decided long ago when Mr. Joseph Chamberlain of Birmingham called Mr. Dillon a traitor. But I have heard with my own ears the word party-hack ruled out. It is not allowed. By a very interesting decision of the chair, pointing is ruled out also. If a member of the house suddenly thrusts out his arm with a long forefinger at the end of it, and directs this instrument towards some other member, the chair has decided the gesture to be out of order. It is, as another member of the chamberlain famously has said, no class. Throwing things is absolutely barred. Nor may you now initiate the noise of animals in the chamber itself. This last is a recent decision, or rather it is an example of an old practice falling into desuetude. The last time a characteristic animal cry was heard in the House of Commons was when very distinguished lawyer, later Lord Chief Justice of England, gave an excellent rendering of a cock crow behind the speaker's chair during a difference of opinion upon the matter of home rule. But this was more than twenty years ago. It is a curious thing that Englishmen no longer sing during their rows. The fine song about the house of lords, which had a curse in it, and was sung some months ago by two drunken men in pall mall to the lasting pleasure of the clubs, would come in very well at this juncture. Or that other old political song, now forgotten, the chorus of which is, if my memory serves me, Bow, wow, wow. No one has seized the appetite for a row more fully than the ladies who demand the suffrage. The disgraceful scenes and unwomanly conduct which we have all heard officially denounced were certainly odd, proceeding as they did from great groups of middle-class women, as unsuited to exercises of this sort as a cow would be to following hounds. But there is no doubt that the men enjoyed it hugely. It had all the fun of a good football scrimmage about it, except when they scratched. And to their honour, be it said, they did not stab with those murderous long pins about which the Americans make so many jokes. Before leaving this fascinating subject of rouse, we will draw up for the warning of the reader a list of those to whom rouse are abhorrent. Luckily they are few. Money-lenders dislike rouse. Political wire-pullers dislike rouse very tired men recovering from fevers must be put in the same category and finally oddly enough newspaper proprietors why on earth this last little band there are not a couple dozen of them in that count in the country should have such a feature in common heaven only knows but they most undoubtedly have and they compel their unfortunate employees to write on the subject of rows Most amazing and incomprehensible nonsense. There is no accounting for tastes. The End of Section 8